Let me just be the first to say, or at least have my opportunity to be able to say to you, welcome. Welcome to Mount Perrin, North Canton, um, and to all of the folks that uh, were the launch team that were here like at 6 and 7 o'clock this morning that have been working tirelessly up all right up till service time. Job well done to all of you. Give yourselves a hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for your commitment. Uh, this, is a, this is a God thing we believe that's happening here through Mount Perrin North, and we're thankful for the opportunity. Um, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn in it to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. Numbers is the fourth book of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. So you just get there to Numbers. Numbers chapter 3. I think most of these scriptures we're going to be using are up on the screen or will be up on the screen. So if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. But we do encourage you when we do come to meet to bring a Bible with you. We will be definitely looking at the scriptures every time we gather together. Um, as you're turning there, let's just have a word of prayer and ask God to be with us for these next few moments. This was about five or six years old. He uh, wanted to walk to school. And where we lived at that time, it was close enough that you could walk to school. And all the older kids were walking to school. And uh, he thought he, he should be able to walk to school. But my mom thought he was too young. And, uh, but he kept begging her and begging her and begging her. And finally, she gave in and said, okay, tomorrow morning, you'll, you'll be able to walk to school. Well, her plan the whole time was to uh, follow him in the car without him knowing it. So he let, set out the next morning, and she got in the car behind him, and he didn't know she was, following, he was fo- she was following him. And he came to the corner where he should have turned right, and then the school would have been out about three or four blocks on his left. But he got confused, and instead he turned left, and he walked about three or four blocks, and he knew the school should be there. And uh, it wasn't, and so he got a little confused, and he started getting panicky and looking around. And my mother thought, I need to, I need to let him know. And so she honks the horn. He sees her, comes running to the car, and uh, jumps in the car and says, Mommy, Mommy, guess what? And she says, What? He said, Mommy, they moved my school. They moved my school. <laughs> well, we're not going to move a school here today physically. But every week when we come together, what we're wanting to do with the help of the Lord is move this school in a spiritually, tangibly way from being a good school throughout the week to being a great church on the weekend. That this place here would become a place of God's presence. That this would be a place where we gather together to engage life together. That this would be a place where we come to see God and we help all those folks that come into this place that, that need to know Him. That they'll be able to experience the amazing love to, of God in a very real way. But to do that... We have to do it in a portable fashion, which means we've got to haul all this equipment and all this material and technological stuff and everything that it takes to turn this into a church. We've got to bring it in here every week, set it up, and then tear it down when we're done and get it out of here. It's a crazy, challenging, but to me, exciting adventure. But we are far from being the first, what you might call, portable church. In fact, we can go all the way back to Moses and the Israelites and the assembling of the tabernacle. And that's what we want to look at this morning. And when we're talking about the tabernacle, here's what we're talking about. The word tabernacle means tent. It means place of dwelling. It literally means sanctuary. 
And when God directed Moses and gave him the design on this tabernacle, the whole point of the tabernacle was this would be the place that God would come in his tangible presence and engage the people of God. And they would come to this tabernacle and they would worship him and they would glorify him. It was a place of his presence. In fact, in Exodus, Exodus chapter uh, 25, when, the God, when God tells them about building this tabernacle, this is what he says. He says, have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. And then look at Exodus 29, verses 45 and 46. He basically says the same thing. He says, then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. The whole purpose for the tabernacle was that he would gather with his presence there. And the people would gather to worship and make worship and sacrifice unto him. But the deal was the tabernacle was portable because God was leading his people, if you know the story, by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And when that moved, they were to move. And so the tabernacle had to be broken down and they would follow the cloud. And then when God stopped, they would stop and they would reassemble that tabernacle and they would put the tabernacle right in the center of their camp And then all the 12 tribes of Israel had designated places around that tabernacle that they were to, where they were to reside. And that's how they did it. And the tribe of Levi, they were the priestly tribe. That's where the priest came from. God assigned all the families of the tribe of Levi responsibilities in caring for the tabernacle. So whenever he moved, each family had a designated assignment and responsibility of what portion of the tabernacle they were to tear down and when, they, when God stopped, that portion they were to rebuild. So this morning, what we want to look at, we're going to look at three families of this Levite tribe and their responsibility and assignments to the tabernacle and see what that says to us here at Mount Perrin, North Canton. All right, so as you can imagine, God gave very clear instructions, and it wasn't by accident that he assigned to these families very specific uh, things that they were supposed to do. Let's look at the first one of these in Numbers chapter 3, beginning in verse 36. And you're going to read along with me, I'm sure. But it says, The Merarites were appointed to take care of the frames of the tabernacle, its crossbars, posts, base, all of its equipment, and everything related to their use, as well as the posts of the surrounding courtyard with their bases, tent pegs, and ropes. Okay? So that's a lot of crazy words, and it says pegs in the Bible, which cracks me up for some reason. So, all right, so you've got this, the Merarites. They have a job, right? And here's what their job is. They are to take all of the things that provide the framework for the tabernacle. They're they're to to take all the things that are the posts, the bases, all the poles, everything that's required to provide the frame of the tabernacle. And so for our purposes today, we're going to give this a name. I'm a preacher, so there's three of them. The first one here we're going to talk about is the structure. So God says to the Merarites, this this family within the Levites, he says, you're responsible And if you're looking at the way this lays out, it's actually the last of the assignments for when it's torn down because they've removed everything else. All that's left is the framework. But when you're putting it back together, it's the very first thing you would start with. This morning when we started setting up, we couldn't put the drapes up on the pipe and drape until we put the bases down and then the poles up. You start with the foundational issues. Now, here's here's the thing. We're not a we're, we're a brand new campus, a brand new church as it relates to this community. But we're not a new church. We're not a church plant that's, that's unconnected anything that has to create brand new framework, brand new structure. We're part of Mount Perrin North. We're a campus of an existing church. And so we draw our structure, we draw the framework from that existing church. 
And a little over two years ago, pastor presented to our congregation at our Marietta campus the idea of engaging life together. Engage life together. And what this is, it's the idea of living and discovering this life of Jesus Christ and applying it in our lives. So we're engaging the life of Jesus Christ by loving God, making friends, serving others, and sharing the story. Those were the four kind of components here. So what these things are, this engaged life together is the framework. It is the structure of our church. It is the structure by which we do everything else. Before we add anything else in, we've got to start with these four pillars, these four foundations, because it's not just like the values that drive us, the vision it's also the strategy by which we do ministry. And so Pastor presented that to the congregation in the fall of 09. We had been wrestling with it after God kind of started re- wrestling with him a little bit. Not wrestling with you, that would be the wrong word. He won. He won, okay, so you got a limp now. A um, little Bible humor. But um, No, but the idea being that God started in his heart this stirring of, hey, we want to do something here that... And maybe changes a little bit. We've been in the process for several years, this, this idea of doing ministry and sacrificially giving to invest in the ministry there and the renovation of facilities and the investment of ministry. And then God kind of called us as a church to not just sacrificial giving, but to sacrificial living. And the whole idea of Engage Life Together is the making of disciples. It's, it's what Jesus commanded us as he was just before he left the earth to go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that he had commanded. And so those four things of love God, make friends, serve others, and share the story, those are the kind of the vision and the values as a part of Engage Life Together that provides the structure of our portable church here. It's already established as we move here to Canton. The second thing is also found in Numbers chapter 3, and it's a little bit back in the verse, in the chapter. It's in uh, verse 25, and this is a, a second family, that, and they're given a different task, and this is what it says. At the tent of meeting, the Gershonites were responsible for the care of the tabernacle and the tent, its coverings, the curtain at the entrance to the tent of meeting, the curtains of the courtyard, the curtain of the entrance to the courtyard surrounding the tabernacle and the altar and the ropes and everything related to their use. So here's what you have. If you have a portable tabernacle, you've already got the framework. You've already got the structure that's there. What do you do? You don't have to cover that structure. And so the Marerites have come to this new place, the pillar of fire has stopped, or the cloud has stopped, or God's voice has stopped them, whatever it is in that certain instance, and they begin to put the tabernacle back together. So the, uh, the, uh, the first group comes and posts the, puts the poles down. And then the Gershonites come up, and they then cover those poles with curtains. So for us in a church setting, what we're talking about is if we have the framework, we have the vision, the values, the strategy of the framework of what we're going to do in ministry. Now we need to cover those things. And what that looks like in a church is it looks like programs. It looks like ministries that you offer. It looks like some different things that you and I would interact with and engage with. And we may not see all of the strategy, the vision, the values, those framework pieces. But these are the things that we see. They're very visible. They're the curtain pieces. And so what that looks like for us here, these are some things that we'll offer, some of them that you've already seen today. As it relates to the programs, the things that we believe fit within our vision, our framework, our strategy. The things that we'll offer, we'll offer worship opportunities for adults. And that's what we're going to do here in this place when we come together on a weekend. We'll offer adult, uh, I mean, we'll offer worship experiences for children from birth through fifth grade. In these classrooms, down these hallways here, we have different age-specific rooms where they're, they're going to be taught the love of God and, and, and taught what, what the scriptures say. And so we'll have worship experiences for, student, uh, for, for children. We'll have uh, making friends opportunities, which for us looks like life groups. It's people meeting together in homes, and it's more than just, hey, will you be my friend, like my son Branson always likes to ask people. But it's more than that. 
it's the idea of meeting together in homes, going over through God's word. But it's not just some, some, maybe all the Bible studies you've ever been to have been unbelievable. Some that I've been to have been really boring and stuffy. That's not what we're talking about. Our life group that my wife, Corey, and I host, uh, it starts with food because everything I do includes food. Um, then it usually includes some type of game that always translates into catchphrase. Like we start out playing something else and it always ends up to be catchphrase, which turns into the guys versus the girls and the guys always win and the girls always cheat. So that's how our life group starts, right? Some of you have been there. Okay. All right. So that's how our life group starts. And then at some point during the night, there may be a very structured Bible study. Like we're opening the Bible and, you know, exegetically what's word study. We never do that. But what we do is we just kind of walk through some book that we're reading together. Or some, it really can come, kind of flesh out sometimes just out of conversation about what's going on in our lives, our marriages, our kids, our families. And then looking to God's word and, and sharing together and just investing in one another. That's making friends. So we offer life groups. We offer serving opportunities. And we believe that serving others, what that looks like from the church, the program, the covering of that is serving opportunities. And what that looks like is, man, people coming to set up early, the logistics team that we have, the serving opportunities. We have people that are serving in these children's classrooms. We have the band. We have media. We have all kinds of serving opportunities already. We have people out front that they're setting up signs. They're greeting people. They're helping people take next steps towards life groups or serving opportunities. So we believe those are things that you can do. That's a covering for our framework. That's how people can serve. And then the last part of that is sharing the story. And what that looks like for us is just equipping people to be comfortable and to be equipped to share their story, their Jesus story. To know that God is doing something in their lives. And maybe that's the really unbelievable testimony like God got me from I was naked in a ditch, strung out. That's an awesome story. That's not my story. But I've still got a story to tell. Yes. So equipping people to understand what is it that God has done in my life. And then how can I share that with others to give God the most glory? So those are kind of the coverings of what we offer, the programs that we offer. And there's a ton of ways that you can be involved. And there's some stuff on your, on your bullets and your worship guide on the back there that you can look at. But, so that, that's kind of what we look at as church, as the portable covering for our framework. There's a third one. And this is also found in, in Numbers chapter 3. Now it's in between these two. And this is probably the most important. It is the most important. This is, let's read this together. This is in verse 31 of Numbers chapter 3. This is what it says. They, talking about the Kohathites, which are referenced a few verses later, a few verses earlier, but they were responsible for the care of the ark, which is the ark of the covenant, which was God's kind of gift to the children of Israel that contained his presence. For the care of the ark of the covenant, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the articles of the sanctuary used in ministering, the curtain, which was a part of the Holy of Holies there, and everything related to their use. So we have, we have structure, which is the poles. We have the systems, which are the covering of those. And then most importantly, we have the, the spiritual things that were a part of the tabernacle. Yeah, the spirituality of it. And I think it's interesting that uh, uh, Jeremy would want me to talk about the spiritual side of things. I'm not sure what that says about him, but it says I'm that... I'm still uh, figuring it out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the systems and the structures go to facilitating what happens spiritually. They're, they're in place to foster what takes place between us and God. And when you look what the Kohathites were responsible for, they were responsible for what you might say the, 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 the main essentials to make worship and ministry happen in the tabernacle. The Ark of the Covenant, the table, uh, the curtain. These, these things, without these things, they can't do worship and they can't minister. And they can't have the sacrifices 
in the tabernacle. These are what you might call the holy essentials. Now, there's some holy essentials that we have to bring in here every time we come in here and gather. Along with these systems, along with these structures, along with what uh, we have to do to minister, these uh, holy essentials are vital if any of that is ever going to happen. And there's, there's four uh, Canton holy essentials that I want to share with you real quickly that we have to look at in our own lives and bring into this place every time we come in here to gather. The first Canton holy essential is worshiping God authentically and teaching God's truth relevantly. That when we come in here, we're going to sincerely look to honor God out of our hearts. That we're going to genuinely approach Him in worship. And we are going to teach God's truth. An uncompromised, unwatered down truth of the living God. And we're going to do it relevantly. We're going to do it to see how does this apply to my life. And Pastor Jeremy and I are dedicated to bringing God's truth relevantly every time we come together. We call that loving God. Say loving God. Loving God. Loving God is about authentically worshiping Him and hearing and learning and doing His truth relevantly in our life. So the first holy, first holy essential we want to bring is this loving God essential. The second one we want to bring is to be a caring community where people matter and relationships are vital. We want to be a caring community. We want relationships to have high value, as, as Pastor Jeremy was just talking about in his own life group, that people matter here. That this isn't just about programs, and it isn't just about structures and systems. It's about people. The reason for the structures and the systems is in order to care for people. And that relationships are going to have high value and high premium. This, this is going to be a welcoming, open community. Anybody that walks through these doors, the whosoever's, we call that making friends. Say making friends. Making it's about friends. being a caring community where people matter and relationships are valuable. And we're going to commit to one another. That we're going to be there for each other. We're going to care for one another. We're going to hold one another accountable. The first holy essential, loving God. The second holy essential, making friends. The third holy essential is, to, is the meeting needs of people through the use of God's gift. The meeting needs of people through the use of God's gifts. Because that's what we want to do. We want to be able to take people where they are. You know, you're in here and... And while uh, we were sort of standing up here, I just sort, of, just sort of did a cursory count of what we have sitting out here. I, if, you know, give or take, we got about 60 or 70 folks that I just sort of cursorily counted. I have no idea. Pastor Jeremy has no idea what, what, you, what you bring into this place. What burdens, what worries, what anxieties, what hardships, what troubles, what needs that you have from God. Every time somebody walks in here, we're not going to know that. But we know that he does. And that's why he gifts us and gives us talents and abilities by which to meet the needs of people. If people's needs aren't being met in here by the power of God through the gifts that he gives to us, then we've got to reevaluate. What are we doing here? Why are we here? And that's why we want everybody to really know what their gifts are, discover those gifts, and be committed to use those gifts to minister the needs of people. We call that serving others. Say serving others. So we're talking about loving God, making friends, serving others, meeting the needs of people through God's gifts in us. And then lastly, the holy essential we want to bring in here is the presenting Jesus sensitively, boldly, and unashamedly. Can I tell you the only thing we have to offer anybody is Him? No matter how great 
the music might be, no matter how great the structures and systems might be, and no matter how great the other programs are, no matter how great the teaching is, let me just tell you something. There's one thing we got to offer folks, and that's Jesus. That's it. He is who changes lives. And the holy essential that we have to bring in here is we're going to present Jesus. And we're going to present him sensitively. We're not going to shove him down people's throats. We're going to present him sensitively, but we're going to present him boldly. We're going to put him out there, and we're going to do it unashamedly and unapologetically. Because he is the answer. You know what we call that? Sharing the story. Say that with me. Sharing the story, because it is the greatest story. We want people to understand the love of God. So the holy essentials that we want to bring in here, loving God and authentic worship and relevant truth, to make friends as a community that care for one another and treat uh, people with high value. We want to be a place of serving others to meet the needs of the gifts God's given us. And we want to share his story of Jesus Christ sensitively, unashamedly, and boldly. Those are the Canton holy essentials that we want to bring in this place every time we gather. You know, to me, that's what makes this place incarnational. Say that. Incarnational. Say that one more time. Incarnational. Incarnational is the idea of God in the flesh. It, it's the, the manifest presence of God in a tangible way where people can tangibly experience and express Him. It's the tangible manifest presence of God where people can tangibly experience and express Him. You see, that's what happened in the tabernacle with Moses. When they built the tabernacle, God's presence came into that place in a tangible, manifest way so the people could tangibly express and experience Him. In fact, it tells us in Exodus 40, verses 34 and 35, this is after they have built the tabernacle. This is the first time they had it assembled after God gave them the directions on how to do it, gave them all the materials and everything they were to make. This is the first time they assembled it together, sort of like us in here today. They probably did a little bit better job than we've done. We've done the best we could. But they assembled it, and this is what happened. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It says it twice. What's the glory of the Lord? That's the physical manifest presence of God. When that tabernacle was built, God, uh, built, God's presence came into that place in a tangible way. And the people saw it, and the people were able to express and experience Him in a tangible way. Can I tell you that the tabernacle is a precursor to Jesus Christ? The tabernacle was a foreshadowing of Christ. Christ is the ultimate incarnational representative of God. He is God in the flesh. And we go to the Gospel of John. And in John, John is talking about Jesus Christ. And listen to how he describes him. He's describing him as the Word. And look at how he describes him here. He says this in John 1.14. He says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That phrase, dwelling among us, you know, you know what that, that phrase means? Tabernacle. The Lord tabernacled among us. And look what it says. We have seen His glory. Remember the glory of God that came in the tabernacle of Moses. We see this same glory in Jesus Christ. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He is the incarnation. And can I tell you that that, that tabernacle, in Moses' time, it was nothing but wood 
and cloth and leather and brass and whatever else they materials that it took to build that. It was nothing but that until the presence of God filled it and then it came alive and it was incarnational. This school, Sequoia High School, as good as it may be, it is nothing but brick and mortar and carpet and chairs and, and whatever else. But when the presence of God comes in this place, it comes alive with Him in a tangible way so we can tangibly experience and, ex- and express Him. It becomes incarnational. That's what this is. That's why we're here. You know, it's like the story of the little boy. Little five or six year old boy whose father was trying to explain to him about when he chooses to follow Christ that Jesus comes and lives inside of him comes and lives in his heart and his little boy just was looking at his daddy strangely and the daddy said what's what's the problem he says well daddy if he comes to live inside of me won't his arms and legs stick out of me yes that's the point We do want his arms and legs to stick out of us. That's incarnation. Because let me tell you, the greatest portable church we have, it isn't in these screens that we have to bring in. It isn't in these monitors. It isn't in this table. It isn't in these instruments. It's not in all of the children's stuff we've got to bring in. As important as they are, the greatest portable church that we have are sitting right here in these chairs. You and me and Jeremy. We're the greatest incarnational representative of God on this earth right now. The church. The presence of God in us. So here's the question. While we're in here today right now, we're sort of checking it out, you know. We're all sort of looking around, if you're on the launch team especially. Or you're here just sort of, you heard about our preview service and you came in to sort of see what we're like. And we're sort of checking things out. You know, how do the screens look? And how does the, how does the sound sound like? And what does it look up on the stage? And we're checking that out. Let me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you what's happening. God's checking us out. He's checking us out. He's looking at our hearts and saying... Do they have these holy essentials being lived out in their lives every day? See, the holy essentials just don't happen here. The holy essentials are daily life living. In our daily lives, do we authentically worship God and genuinely honor Him with our words and our attitudes and our actions? Are we people of the truth is it relevant in our lives are we outside of this body a caring people who look to help meet the needs of others around us in our workplace our neighborhood even in our own families and are we people in our daily lives that sensitively boldly unashamedly present Jesus with who we are, how we live, and what we say. What makes this place incarnational is us being incarnational daily. That's Canton Campus. You know, there's a story that I just, I love. Um, I've, I've shared it if, if you're a 
part of the uh, Mount Perrin uh, North Marietta uh, campus. You, you, you've probably heard me share this story. And as I'm sharing this, I'm going to invite our worship team and band to come at this time. But it's a story of, of, of a woman by the name of Maggie. And um, she met a pastor by the name of Lee Strobel. Anybody ever heard the name Lee Strobel? Maybe know who that might be? Lee Strobel is one of my favorite writers. He's one of my favorite speakers. Lee Strobel, before he came to Christ, was a devout atheist and didn't believe there was a God. And his story of how he came to know this incarnational Christ is an amazing story. But after he came to Christ, he became a minister. And um, he met a woman named Maggie. And Maggie became a part of a a small group that was a part of his church that was a small group designed for people who were curious about Christianity. People who maybe didn't have a relationship with Christ but wanted to know more about him, wanted to know more about Christianity, wanted to know more about the claims of Christ. And so Maggie became a part of this, of this group and that's how Lee Strobel got to know her. And this is a part of her story that uh, he tells. It says that Maggie says that uh, Christianity had, that she grew up with was so confusing to me, she said, that people said one thing but did another. They appeared very spiritual in public but were abusive in private. What they said and what they did never fit. There was such a discrepancy that I came to hate Christianity and I didn't want to be associated with the church. When I came to this small group, I needed gentleness. I needed to be able to ask any question. I needed to have my questions taken seriously. I needed to be treated with respect and validated. Most of all, I needed to see people whose actions matched what they say. I'm not looking for perfect, but I am looking for real. If you're a follower of Christ in this room, let that sink in a moment. I'm not looking for perfect. Those that don't know him, they're looking for real. Well, Maggie wrote a poem. And she sent it to, to Lee Strobel. And here's the poem. It's called, Do You Know? And it's up on the screen. And I'm just going to read it. And just follow along. She wrote this. Do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Do you know, do you understand that when you treat me with gentleness, it raises the question in my mind that maybe he is gentle too? Maybe he isn't someone who laughs when I am hurt. Do you know, do you understand that when you listen to my questions and you don't laugh at me, I think maybe Jesus is interested in me too? Do you know, do you understand that when I hear you talk about arguments and conflicts and scars from your past, I think maybe I'm just a regular person instead of a bad, no good little girl who deserves abuse? If you care, I think maybe he cares. And then there's this flame of hope that burns inside of me and for a while I'm afraid to breathe because it might go out. Do you know, do you understand that your words are His words? That your face is His face to someone like me? Please, be who you say you are. Please, God, don't let this be another trick. Please let this be real. Please, do you know, do you understand you represent Jesus to me? Lee was so moved by that poem, he contacted Maggie to ask her permission to share it in church. And she said, sure, you can share it. And then 
She said this. She said, have you heard, Lee? Have you heard? And he said, no, Maggie, I haven't heard. Tell me what happened. She said, a few nights ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Lee said, Maggie, that's terrific. That's the best news I've ever heard in a long time. Tell me what piece of evidence convinced you that the Bible is real. What fact did you uncover that finally established for you that the resurrection was real? Maggie said, no, Lee, it wasn't like that for me. She said, you see, I just met a whole bunch of people who were like Jesus to me. And that's all it took. I met a whole bunch of people who are like Jesus to me. And that's all it took. It's because of the Maggies that we're here. That's why we're doing this hard work. That's why we're taking this huge step of faith. So here's what I'm going to ask. For the next few moments, just sort of rehearse these holy essentials in your own life. Where am I as a person of worship unto God and daily living? Where, where am I as a person of this truth? Where am I in my relationships with other people? Maybe you're sitting here and there's some relationships in your life that are very strained and, and troublesome. And you need the Lord to help you with those. Where am I in the gifts that God has given to me and to really help them to meet the needs of others and where am I in this Jesus story? Am I embarrassed about the Jesus story? Do I really just sort of lay back in the weeds when I have opportunity maybe just to sort of share what my story is with somebody? For the next few moments, as this band just sort of plays a response, kind of a meditative song, just reflect. Lord, where am I incarnationally? with you. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, that you are alive in this place. I thank you that you are searching our hearts by your spirit. God, I so thank you that you would entrust, you would entrust us with a, with a wonderful opportunity to be incarnational in this school to this community. I thank you for these wonderful people who sit out here today. Those that are a part of our launch team that have served so hard over the past several weeks and months and today. Father, for those that have come here, they heard about it and they just, they're here because they feel like you're drawing them here. But Lord, I pray right now you help us to search our hearts. Are your holy essentials alive and active within us? Now, Lord, as we just meditate on you, may your spirit truly, truly just reveal our hearts. Show us the places. Show us the places where we can be more incarnational for you. In Jesus' name. Just meditate as the band sings. Take my life and let it be consecrated.